0: Hello, this is the Reluctant Marketer Podcast. We explore marketing for people who don't want to do it, but feel they must. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hello, dear listeners to the podcast. Welcome back to a new episode. Fab is today with me. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Welcome, Fab.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for coming. Thank you. So um, let's start with a little introduction so that our listeners can can get to know you, can know what you do first.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Matthias. My name is Fab, like the ice cream, if anybody remembers the ice cream called Fab. (laughs) Or, I know, right? It's a good one, it gets people to remember. Um, Or, um, Fabiana, if you want to try a bit of Italian, I am Italian by origin, I... I know, right? Um, Ah, perfetto! Possiamo
0: parlare italiano, eh?
1: (laughs) No. And then everybody who's not Italian can just get Google Translate in three, two, one, just in case. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I lived in the UK for the last almost 14 years. And I came here oh. studying, um, studying languages and then I progressed into different things and I kind of stumbled upon or fell onto a marketing role way back when. We're going oh. back 13 years now. So it's been quite a while. Um, and I loved the job. I loved it. I was really excited to be able to kind of stumble into this career and learn from it. And then as I progressed... I changed, obviously, paths. I became an entrepreneur, so I was working for myself. It's now been nine years, so I've been doing this for a very long time. And mm. I started just supporting people with coaching and consulting. And now, at this moment, what I do, I combine the marketing knowledge with my passion, which is helping people make a positive impact and try to make a difference in the world. And so I started a school a couple of years ago because, Matthias, I was bored, apparently. And I thought that would be a great mm. thing to do. Chilled. and um, But despite being a lot of hard work, it's my passion, I love it. And I just love connecting with students and with people. And so if I can help you making marketing more fun and easier to approach today, then pretty much my job is done.
0: That's so cool. I, I saw this on your homepage already, this market, making marketing more human. I really like that. What's, what's the idea behind that, making it more human?
1: I think it's coming from listening to our audience, which is something that I'm sure you talk a lot about as well. And we all talk about the understanding what our audience thinks about and even maybe some of the things that they struggle with. And one of the biggest misconceptions that we have about marketing as professionals or entrepreneurs or new marketeers even is that marketing has to feel like you're pushing yourself onto somebody. Mm. Or, Mm. you know, I know you talk about being the reluctant marketing side of it. And so when we bring back to what marketing should be, which is it should really be about building a relationship and allowing people to choose, directing people, so not even persuasion, directing people towards the right solution for their problems, which hopefully if you've done your work and your homework is you, then it should be a a relationship between humans, and whether it's two humans, whether it's multiple humans. And when you look at it that way, one of the biggest, there's two big problems that our students have, Marketing is boring and marketing feels sleazy. (laughs) So we decided to put it into our messaging. I know you resonate and I'm probably sure that a lot of people tell you that as well. We really wanted to um, work on that and creating frameworks that will help eradicate that thinking. Because if that's the mindset, you're never going to be able to feel confident doing your marketing because it's always going to feel off to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I can so much relate to this because for me, as a rather modest, non-bragging person, marketing always felt like bragging, right? Like pounding the drum, tooting the horn, etc. All these metaphors uh, that that it's about making noise, right? And I like it very much when when you say it's a relationship between two or more people, and and you're directing, not not persuading. I I, I really like that. Yeah, it's a good uh, good viewpoint onto marketing. I love that.
1: To be honest, I think I learned that mainly from hearing some of the ways people perceived what marketing Uh was, especially uh when they entered it, whether it's because they were marketing their services or because they wanted to enter the industry. And they were like, I kind of like the idea of being on social media, but I don't like the fact that I have to sell things. And I was like, well, if you're a Mm -hmm. marketer, you kind of have to grow your company or the company that you're working for. So at some point, you have to talk about what you offer. That's the idea. And so when you reframe that, that can help you putting yourself, as you say, it's not about making noise, it's not about bragging, it's about providing some value, which I know everybody's like fab, I know that. But it's also about letting people know who you are, whether it's a brand or whether it's an individual, what mm-hmm. makes you mm-hmm. unique so that you can attract your people. Because let's be honest, Matthias, nobody wants to work with somebody that they cannot connect with because it will make right. their relationship really hard for both of you, right? You want to work with your people, I want to work with my people. And the people that love me, that love me, tolerate me dancing in the middle of the lesson because I get really excited. These are the people that I want to attract. So I want to make sure that they know that that's, that's what we bring to the table and then they can make their own decision.
0: That's interesting. I, I love that. It's a good, it, it is kind of liberating, right? It's it's removing the exactly. burden from from marketing. Uh, I never found marketing really boring, but I always found it stressful. Like, mm. I love to build stuff. I love to build software. For example, I'm a I'm a software engineer and also a solopreneur. And if you're a solopreneur, then uh, you have to do your own marketing. There's no no other person doing that for you. And um, after a while, I I encountered somebody I don't remember who it was who said um, if you don't share what you have to share with. With the world, the the things you are offering, then nobody will know, and you won't have any business. I said, "Dah, that's obvious." But it somehow stuck, right? Because yeah, if you don't if you don't market, if you don't do anything, nobody will know about the stuff. So it's pretty obvious that you have to do marketing. Um, let's. Try to get a little bit further into it. What kind of students are coming to you and what are they seeking to learn in, in alt marketing school?
1: I love it. Um, that's an excellent question. So some of the things that we sometimes think about, and this is something that I want to be applicable to anybody listening, is that our students think the one they want to know is a very specific goal, for example, very obvious one. I want to grow my Instagram account. I want to grow my Twitter following. I want to get more uh, sales. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, which is fair enough. And that's the first bit of conversation. What The good thing is that a lot of the people that we attract are also very interesting in that human piece, like that value-driven, purpose-driven. Mm-hmm. But when I talk mm-hmm. about their goals, that's the first thing that comes. And then what they realize that they need, as we're progressing through any of the courses, or any, of the, any of the training that we do, is that actually what they love and they need is the foundations... And the frameworks yeah, yeah. that can help them, yes, achieve that specific goal, but maybe even learn how to set better goals or even how to set up systems and ways for them to make their marketing get less stressful, uh, less overwhelming and more natural to them. So is we always feel like we're kind of going for specific um, trends or tactics or buzzwords, yeah, which is great. Yeah. You want to grow your LinkedIn? Cool. I love that. But bringing back to the fundamentals of marketing, which are so much rooted in psychology, that's what excites the students. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like having the conversation of be like, I know that's what you think you need and that's great. But what about getting, giving you the confidence to know and the clarity to know that regardless of what your goals are, you can show up with confidence and you know exactly what to do next. And this comes from a great foundation and that's the beauty of real marketing. It's not just about social media. It's not just about email marketing. It's about what they come where, where do they come from you know and that's kind of what we love to teach them as well as obviously all the cool things that gets us all sparkly eyed and things like that. <laughs> that,
0: that that's cool that's cool so it's not about views it's not about impressions on, on on some ads it's not about email subscriber list size and so on all these things but it's more about how do people behave right how do you how do they perceive your brand how did how how do you make them want your brand? So, yeah, it's really deeply rooted in psychology. Um, you were talking about systems, a marketing system or systems for marketing. What, what do you mean by that? What could be some examples?
1: When it comes to systems, there are so many ways that we can look at them. The way that I like to start, especially when people feel overwhelmed, is kind of understanding what are the repeatable activities that you do within your marketing And the reason why Mm -hmm. I like to look at it that way is because it allows you first to reflect about what does marketing mean to you and what does it look like for you? Because the beauty, especially if you're a small business, especially if you're a solopreneur, or again, if you work with multiple clients, even you have the choice to decide or to direct yourself and the team or other people that work with you. To the channels that you want to tap into obviously there's lots of decisions you have to make to choose your channels but also some of it is like you enjoy being on the channel you're enjoying creating content for it whatever that might be yeah so this is kind of where you understand that systems will be different depending on which channels you focus on and it might be that they change because if you're looking at email marketing your systems might be different than if you are very active on social media but it kind of creates a system, yeah. sorry, it creates a system, derp. It kind of creates um, templates and it creates processes, that's the word I was looking for, that you can use for any area of your marketing, that you can tailor to that area. And then you can go back to it again and again. And as things evolve, it doesn't matter if there's a new trend, if there's a new format, if there's a new feature, there are some things that you can get back to that you can come and make your life easier. So they're all about the processes that we do, which... The funny thing is like, I don't know if you have it as well. You're, you're, a, you're a developer, you're an engineer. So that's kind of, I'm a Virgo. Yeah. Not, that it, not that it's similar, but it means that I like systems. So as a Virgo, I get excited about mapping out what I'm doing. Most of our students dread it. That's why we do it together because we make it fun. You know, and that's the oh, problem. That's we actually already have mm-hmm. we already that, have systems people, in place. Uh,
0: so people don't, don't like mapping out their systems, be- becoming aware of them and uh, yeah, thinking about them.
1: It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Unless, again, you you do enjoy it. I like to geek out about it. I like to simplify them, to streamline them. But for many of us, you know, especially creative people, our idea people, and potentially a lot of people listening are like, I have ideas. I want to do things. I want to try things. So we want to act and we want to do. And that reflection piece can feel Mm. like it's stopping you. It's slowing you down. So that's not like you don't want to set up systems because you hate them. Most of us don't even know that we already have processes. We just have to you know, yeah. break them down to repeat them again and again and again. And that's why is a lot of it is mindset more than anything else and allowing that slowing down to reflect on what are the things that I keep on doing, how can I do them better? That's literally how it starts.
0: Ah, that's so amazing. Um, it reminds me of uh, when, when I do my YouTube videos recently, I, I publish them every week and there is a kind of repeating system behind it, right? You, you, you said that systems... Uh, have to do with the repeatable things in your marketing, for example on youtube I always have to uh yeah i have to write a script then I have to record the a roll on camera then i have to search for some b roll uh video some some nice stock footage for example for from the beach or everything uh to to illustrate concepts that i mean for example recently in a in a video I used the concept of running and and um uh encountering runners high this this uh Emotional state that you have after, after some running. And, and I compared it to marketing. When you do marketing at, at the beginning, it's really exhausting and you're stressful and so on. And after a while, if you, if you get used to it, it can even be fun. So I used the runner's metaphor, so I had to, you know, to, to uh, search for some video for, uh, on running. And I had to look for music, for special effects, for text and so on to, to put all this into my video. And all these editing systems I have, um, how many sections does my video have, how, do, how many takes do I make on camera, and so on, all these things. Yeah, that reminds me, this must be a system.
1: Can I ask you a question, Matthias? Can I put you on the spotlight?
0: Yeah, why not?
1: <laughs> Amazing. This is a simple question, actually. I'm making it bigger than it is, but... Do you, do you have, let's start with the first question before that is, do you have a, a to-do list or a list, a kind of like a checklist for the things you do during the day of the week?
0: Um, not, not too often. For some things I have that. For example, whenever I want to publish a newsletter, I have a checklist what I have to do in that case. Um, but uh, for example, I really should do something for those YouTube videos because it's always the same. I should have a checklist.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. So thank you for answering because that's (laughs) where I find it's so fascinating. Now that you know, and I want anybody who's listening to the same exercise, think about one thing that you're doing, which you think is a task, but it's actually a project from the sound of Matthias's list of uh, subtasks or tasks that you have to do it is literally a project. So think about that as a mini project that you repeat every single week. Yeah. And think about doing it now, maybe without a list or a full breakdown. And then what I want you to do with your listener, Matthias, is write down the full checklist of that project and what it does, it completely shifts your perception of actually how involved it is and how much effort it takes. It's not a negative thing necessarily. It just allows you to be like, this is actually a big thing. What can I do to make it better? And also, how can I give myself enough time to do it in a way that doesn't make me feel like I'm rushed or overwhelmed? But until we break things down and we simplify them and we see them, for, for most people, it's just a task. And I'm like, that's not a task, man. That's not a task. And it's a <laughs> right. collection of lots of things that you do. So, you know, marketing is a collection of lots of projects that we repeat again and again and again, and we tweak again and again and again. And so if you don't have a place that has got these systems written down to start with, it's really hard for you to make it better. So maybe by writing it down, Matthias, you realize that you can systematize better or even categorize better your current B-rolls and stock videos so that it becomes a lot faster for you to find them in the future. You know, things like this can really snowball. Maybe you have a notion list of all the different after effects that you use them for what, so you can quickly click and refer to them. Little things like this can be built, but not until you have the awareness of where your time is going, especially when it comes to marketing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it also, you, you don't have clarity about it. For example, if when I write down all those tons of things I have to do for for creating a YouTube video, there are tiny little things like, for example, on the left side behind me, there's a, a lamp um, uh, shining on me because it makes me stand out from the background. If I forget that lamp, yeah, okay, it's not a tragedy. Okay, I can live without that shining light, right? But Yeah, the video is somehow better if I don't forget the lamp. So um, yeah, things, little things appearing on those checklists are really necessary. So um, yeah, we have these systems. Um, What I sometimes do is I. Think about what do I need as an input for my systems. That comes from software engineering, right? Software is input, <laughs> processing, output. <laughs> so um, I always think about what inputs do I need, what what materials do I need, what uh, what tools do I need, and so on. So could this be added uh, to a marketing system? Could you write that down? Is it does it make sense to write that down?
1: Yes, yes, a thousand percent. What I love to refer to when it comes to systems is the PARA method, which is P-A-R-A, from Tiago Forte's um, Building a Second Brain book, uh-huh. because it works yeah. so well. And actually, that's what we talk about in our lesson. We have a lesson about marketing systems in our certification, uh, which is, at first, the most dreaded. When we get in it, people are like, oh, my God, there's so much. And then afterwards, they still get students telling me after months, be like, I'm so happy. I stuck around and I did the work for that class because it yeah. saved me yeah. so much time and use that power system and the power system it has projects, areas, resources and archives. Again, get Tiago's book if you want to check it out Mm. because it's great. Um, And I really love the idea of having that like tools and resources really handy for you to kind of get back to. And that almost becomes that, talking about software, that database, those different databases that you can pull from. And it's not just the tools that you use, let's say, to edit the video. It could be, as we talked about, the B-rolls or some of the music that you use a specific um, time during a video. So it can be a lot of different things. I find that, That's also where breaking down kind of what things look like can be beneficial for you if you're always going to do things by yourself. But either if you have a team or you ever want to outsource some of your marketing to somebody else Mm -hmm. because you actually Mm -hmm. want to focus on your zone of genius, which might not be fully marketing, which is fine. Um, It's so much easier to outsource when you have these tools and these resources and also kind of these simple instructions broken down. And so many people look at me and they're like, why do I need instructions if I'm going to do it all myself? And I always say at some point, you're hopefully going to evolve. You know, in your journey, hopefully you're going to evolve. You can let go of some of the smaller tasks. But unless you fully automate them, which is an option, if you're going to even outsource it to somebody else to lighten the load, you're going to save so much time. Oh my God, I've done this for nine years. So much time working with other people when you have those instructions and those references in place. So it helps you, but it's also going to help you as you grow, which is my hope for you as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, but not—it's not only about outsourcing. I think it's about uh, different persons in the same human being. For example, when I write down, uh, when, when I'm planning new content, let's say for the next quarter or so, I'm a different person than the person who is execu- uh, How do you say that in English? Executing on that plan, right? So planning and execution are, are two different states of mind. So I have, I almost have to write down my systems so that the other person that I am in that moment still understands them. For example, when I wrote my content plan last week for, for the next three months or so, um, I made sure that every line in the database had uh, uh, some notes like what is the idea behind the article, what's the, the main topic, what's the five most important points for that topic and what's the call to action at the end. So in two months, for example, I will have forgotten all of this, right, totally. And uh, so then I'm a different human being, like almost, um, who needs to learn from the content plan. It's it's so amazing. I I encounter that every time.
1: Actually, I love that, and that's a great point. Thank you so much for sharing. So, I, I'm gonna do a little swing in my chair, which, if you're listening, you can't see, but you can feel the swing. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah,
1: she swims back. There she is. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna, I always bring the book up because I mean, it's my book and I'm proud of it. It's called Reclaim Your Time Off. So, I do like talking about systems, uh-huh. and so I'm also a writer. That was my dream, that's what I was. And you know, I've got a couple of published books now, so yay, officially, but as a writer. I agree with you so much, especially as writing, because again, I'm a, I create content and I always have because I've always been a writer first. That was one of my dreams. Yeah. And even as a writer, I had to remind myself, and I read it again last week, that you have to wear different hats when you are creating content or creating drafts. And you have to be in a completely different mindset when you are proofreading or editing your content. Because they're right. very t- two very different tone of voices. And also, again, this is where your writing might actually not reflect your personality if you're self-editing as you're writing. So if you're writing more freely or even, even recording content more freely, you actually get your personality across. But trust me, somebody who's been writing for a very long time, if you are constantly self-editing as you're doing it because it's more efficient and then it's quicker for you to publish it, you're actually going to lose a lot of that magic that comes from your yeah, tone of voice. Yeah so important in marketing as well so I love that and I agree with you I think it works really well with systems and it works really well with marketing in general and content in general wear the different hats separate them because then you're going to use different sides of your brain in a much more effective way and you're not going to miss any of that magic that comes from your unique storytelling self
0: yeah that's that's totally true when I'm in planning mode I'm a different Matthias than in in writing mode and in editing mode yeah it's so different yeah exactly So what do you think were the most important systems that uh, someone who, let's say, wants to become serious about marketing, right? So this stage where somebody has seen, yeah, if I don't market, I don't sell. So I need to do it. I bite the bullet, right? So uh, what do you think would be the most important one or two or three systems that such a person should put in place?
1: See, part of me, the over over delivering me wants to give you two or three systems, but then Fab the teacher is like, no, 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 we're going to give you one. Why? One, okay. Listen there, Matthias, because I would really like you to try and set up your own version of this one. So that's one. But if you do it, you do it right and you get it done properly, that will be plenty. Um, Because honestly, there can be lots. And the the good thing is that a lot of the systems that I even talk about in the courses and in the training can be used uh, for different channels, as I said before, in different platforms. But the one Mm -hmm. that I think it's so important to have, especially if You want to treat your marketing seriously and you want to use it for very clear goals like selling a product or um, building advocacy or loyalty with your customers. You know, very goal driven. One of my favorite ones, which is a bit more understated maybe, is a marketing experiment dashboard or page or whatever you want to call it. I'm going Uh to call it dashboard because Uh they're fancy. Um, The reason why I like to have a place for me to run my experiments as a marketer, because I believe the marketers should be scientists and should be Investigators curiosity is a huge skill of marketers that people don't mm. talk about. So when you are when you actually get better at your marketing, when you try things, and also you often fail spectacularly at them, and you learn from them, and you do it better next time. So if you don't have a system to track that, it's really hard for you to know what works and what doesn't. It's really hard for you to again that reflection piece coming back, reflect on what you need to make better. And it's also really hard for you to action all of those experiments or ideas. So the beauty of our, of that one system, see, I'm already cheating on myself, I'm already giving you two things in there, <laughs> is that, first of all, you will, right? First of all, you want to have almost two pieces in there. You want to have a, a place or, a, let's say, like a page or a sheet where you can collect ideas uh-huh. that could be great experiments for you to run. And then, obviously, you're going to have the one place or the one, if you were using Notion, I would do it as a one database. I would just make it fancy where you would then have another place within that database where you can actually run the experiments and reflect on them. Yeah, so yeah. it kind of works in two ways, but instead of being just a place where you collect all the inspiration of the world, I like to actually categorize my inspiration. Is it for content? Is it for other things? So we'll just have one happy place where I can write all the cool ideas and tactics and like mm-hmm. strategies that mm-hmm. I see. Then going back to our hats, one day that I have a hat that is less about excited, fab hat, I let it mature like a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of cheese, uh, Italian coming out. Um, And then I choose some of them. I look at them and it might be that you look at that strategy that you thought would be a great experiment for you to run with your community, let's say, last month. And you look at it and you're like, no. It might be that you still feel like, actually, this was great. I really want to try it. And so having a place for you to write down, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a month or two months or whatever it is. And this is what I would like to see. It helps you becoming a better marketer because it teaches you how to look at what works and what doesn't in a more objective way and also how Mm -hmm. to celebrate Mm -hmm. some of the things that you do and repeat them if they work, you know? So Mm -hmm. that would be a two-in-one. You know, there's an element of collecting the data and collecting the ideas uh, specifically for running experiments, so trying new types of campaigns or strategy for a specific goal and then also having a place for you to then kind of write down what's what's happening and within that one more thing i put actually in my um to-do list i guess and reminders i put every single week to check the progress of my roadmap and my experiments so i kind of look at what's happening and what i'm happy with and what i'm not happy with so i put in my diary so that i know it's happening and it's been one of the things that has transformed the business because it's been so much easier for me to stop doing something that wasn't working because it wasn't just working instead of me headbutting you know, after three or four months, and be uh-huh. like, "Well, yeah. I need to do with this." You don't have trying to Trying once more you. and
0: trying once more. Yeah, right.
1: You know, it's find the fine balance. That would be it.
0: Yeah. Ah, interesting. So, to summarize, let let me try to to find out my own words for this. What well, there's one part of this marketing dashboard or experiment dashboard that says, okay, what did I plan? What uh, what would be the ideas that I should run an experiment on? And the other part would be tracking the success or failure of those ideas, right, of the, of the exactly. experiments. How did they work? Did they have an impact? Did they have no impact? Did they have a negative impact? And so on. So, yeah, I can understand that because otherwise you simply start the next experiment without evaluating the previous one, And it's, uh, yeah, you don't learn. I think that's the main problem. You don't learn then. Yeah.
1: There's also something to be said, actually. That's a great summary. On that note, sometimes we also be like, this worked once, high five to me. Let's jump into the next thing that this said person that I look up to, which is amazing, did. And they shared and they were like, try it yourself and I want to try it. And it's fine. But also like if something worked really well, You can repeat it. At some point, maybe it's gonna stop working, which is fine. But I think that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to redo a type of event that brought lots of lead in your business or to retry a type of format that people are really resonating with. And I think it's harder for you to do, it's easier for you to do it when you can actually see and you can get back to it instead of jumping to the next thing without really thinking about all the other things that you already know that your audience loves, you know? And it can be a bit of a shiny object syndrome. So that kind of helps you fight that a bit more. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Shiny object syndrome is, is all the way present for me every time or every minute. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, that, that brings me to one question that I always have about marketing. In, in, um, in software engineering, for example, when I write software, there's a very clear cause and effect relationship. If something doesn't work, it's my fault. I simply have to investigate, find out what's going on, and then I fix it, and then it works. In marketing... I think it's not so clear to me. Was it a good headline that I wrote? Or why did people not open those emails? Or uh, why was this tweet that I sent out, uh, why was it so successful or such a failure? Tracking back to to the root cause is very difficult in marketing because it doesn't depend only on me and the machine, but it depends on the other people, right? And people are kind of unpredictable no or less predictable than machines um what would you say do you have any any mechanisms any good good practice for tracking back to to the root cause like why something was successful or not
1: there's a couple of things excellent question the first one is understand the variables i mean talking software software speech or more like technical speech look at the variables as well because for me A tweet being very successful versus not being successful can be as much about the people consuming the content as the algorithm also potentially Mm -hmm. boosting it because of a specific format, let's say, that Twitter is pushing at the moment. It's a bit like if you take Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram, which is another platform that is heavily algorithm-based at this time, or even TikTok. Those are also great examples, like some of the content will be pushed beyond belief, even if the content is not necessarily the best, just because of yeah. uh, the right audio, the right format at the right time. So that's the thing. Understand your variables, because it's not always a case of your audience. Um, and so that's why uh, another thing within that, which probably is not less about like a proven thing, but it's another way of reflecting on this, is ask yourself, going back to, let's say, the headlines, for example, ask mm-hmm. yourself, is it... Um, Is the headline lack of success, let's say, um, is this due to a specific symptom or a root cause? Let me explain. For example, you think that your headline is not performing well because you have very low open rate on that email. But then Mm -hmm. the problem is if you don't actually track your average open rate of your emails, then you think that that's the norm. But maybe if you are tracking You figure out that actually all of your emails are very low open rate because you have a lot of, I'm going to say some big words now, but you have a lot of core subscribers that are completely unengaged. And so you actually need Mm -hmm. to clean up your email list. And that's another problem. A lot of people are like, oh, my content doesn't resonate. And that can be, for example, that can be one thing. But then sometimes you are mistaking the symptom for the root cause. Is actually the problem is not mm-hmm. that. It's actually that you need to refresh, you need to clean up your audience or you need to refresh other things or you need to improve your deliverability. So I always say there's two things I already mentioned. So definitely understand the variable. The first thing that could potentially affect the success and choose whether you're happy to go against an algorithm or things like that. Secondly, understand the symptom versus the root cause. So, you know, that's why I like to track growth or track stats, which again, analytics Mm -hmm. person, marketer. Mm -hmm. So I like to see the data because it uh, helps me understand if it's an anomaly or if it's just how things are. And thirdly, to help out a bit more, (laughs) because these are very big things to do. But on a smaller level, is also human behavior is not that unpredictable Uh if we look at the reason why we do things. So if you look at psychology, actually, there are specific reasons why we tend to you know, we tend to respond well to urgency or scarcity. Now, your choice is how you're going to do it in a way that, in my opinion, should be ethical and should be, you know, it should be done in a way that is yeah, not, not sleazy, so artificial,
0: to speak. right? Yeah. yeah.
1: You know what I mean? But there yeah. are the things like, so, yes, in some respects, you know, humans are predictable, but when it comes to going back to the psychology, how we think, we're a lot more predictable than what we think we are. It's just going back to that, instead of looking at just, trends and what's 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 helping mm. right now is actually mm. understanding okay what what does your audience feel as a pain what would be one of their gains these things the beliefs the pains the gains of your audience these are very much rooted into b- behavior it's just about matthias that's the kicker understanding what these are you know uh i'll yeah. tell you one more thing one more thing is that the people are unlikely to tell you if you ask them the reason why they don't want to do something or they do something or they commit to something so for example for me I learn more about what my students want or how to get more students into the school by our live sessions when our students are already paid and they're committed and our normal mm-hmm. chats within that you know then I would do when I'm doing a survey or when I'm asking them directly when I'm listening to oh, what yeah. they're saying yeah you know what I mean with yeah, these things,
0: this is kind of a, a natural versus uh, artificial situation, right? And exactly. If you, work and do, and this you will, run a survey, it's more like a lab situation.
1: You know what I mean? And that's, you know, you do what you can, obviously. But just to explain, that's the fourth thing. It's not just psychology. It's also going back to some of these things that your audience really wants or really doesn't want. That are very like deeper than just the surface. When you get to those, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very likely that if you tap into those, your content, your emails, and stuff, they will really speak to them. They will really kind of jump out at them and then they will get them to open or to engage. So, there's a lot of things that I give you in this one, but all of these can be valuable. It's just kind of to understand that it's, that's the problem of marketing, is more complex than we think. And this is why I like to start simple. But just kind of like stepping back and kind of starting with the foundations because that really and that yeah, relationship piece right. really helps with that
0: exactly that that's a really important thing that you say there, because otherwise people become overwhelmed uh they say oh uh, at least 10 or 20 things i have to look at now and i always say no just just keep it simple keep it uh, yeah slow um by by the way slow i got for example i got feedback on my youtube videos that i'm talking too slow uh, because on youtube it's the fashion to talk very fast there's even uh, software that people that that real youtubers use to remove all the pauses in speaking so yada 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 uh, that's the style of a typical youtube video and i don't like that i hate that <laughs> and, I got two different feedbacks. One one is from people who like who also like that and say, "Yeah, finally someone who makes a pause at the end of a sentence." And the other people who say, "No, please talk." I, I always run your videos on one point two five or one point five the speed. <laughs> so, it's so I mean, crazy that's, that's what the, it's there for. Yeah, that's what I, I me. Mean, like so. you know, if
1: if they prefer it that way, you know, just just get the speed up. I genuinely find that. You're never gonna make everybody happy, like, and that's the other thing yeah, I need you need to realize. Right? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's just, you know, you're doing you and knowing that some of the people that kind of consume the content actually like it this way because that's how you like. Are, are you like to consume it yourself? I think we need to give ourselves a bit more credit to actually do that and also create stuff in a way that we enjoy. Obviously, feed the algorithm, feed what people are looking yeah. for because that's what is there. But also. You do you, boo. God damn, I want to use gifts. I'm going to say use gifts, even if I'm 13. Apparently, it's a very old thing to do. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. I'll still use gifts. Okay. (laughs) Just put it out there.
0: (laughs) It's such—it's so much fun to to have this conversation with you. I enjoy that. (laughs) Pleasure. Okay, so yeah, marketing systems, human, uh, human aspects of marketing, psychology, keeping it simple, yeah, all very important things here. Yeah. Um, how do you measure, or if you measure it at all, how, how do you recognize progress with your students? What would you say would be a good thing or a good effect that one of your students is, is accomplishing?
1: You mean as in, um, just to kind of explain, you mean throughout the courses and like seeing that the course is working for them or you mean with their marketing specifically, just to understand?
0: Well, yeah, both. Um, first, they, they have to to grip what is in the course and then they have to yeah, yeah. translate that into action. So how do you recognize Amazing. that somebody is really making progress?
1: Excellent question. So we like to give tangible things. So whether you are doing, if you're doing a self-paced lab, which are shorter courses that are part of our library, then with uh-huh. that, you have smaller projects. So I always have a project. So smaller projects are for shorter courses and libraries. They're very kind of specific to the topic. So they tend to be usually one thing. I always have a bit of a workbook, but that project is really where allows me to see kind of how they felt about it, what the graphs about the topic, like mm. our brand archetype uh, lab. They actually create a one-pager with their archetype and all of their brand perception. So that, again, kind of tells me, first of all, it's good because I can give them feedback too. And then you magnify it with our live training and cohorts. And regardless of which cohort you do, you will have then obviously bigger projects. So for our eight-week certification, it's the, they have a marketing plan. They present at the end of, of the cohorts, which is going to be a time of recording okay. this week. So it's graduation week. So exciting. Wow. Um, yeah i know that's why this monday i was saying before we went on air this monday feels like a monday Uh, but i'm excited and (laughs) bless them on top of that marketing plan for the eight weeks they also built up to at the very minimum we built we built five systems together at the very minimum so i'm talking about Mm -hmm. a map of their systems and then content systems and then their brand manifesto and then we look at okrs and goals So we do a lot of things and then we have smaller kind of reflection points but we also build some systems together and on top of that for that specific certification we have a marketing plan so that helps us see the progress what they learned what they applied and the beauty of it is afterwards whether they use it for portfolio if there are marketers looking for a new career path if they're business owners they can use it for their own brand and if they're Mm -hmm. consultants for example they use it for clients so it's great because they actually have something tangible they can go and use afterwards To me, the best proof, though, is after months kind of then coming back to us and being like, I'm still using our system or, you know, I'm still doing this thing. (laughs) I'm like, yay! you know, it means that now they can feel a lot less stressed and a lot less overwhelmed about one specific thing that makes me really happy.
0: (laughs) That's that's a good thing to hear. If Somebody comes around and says, yeah, I was successful. I'm still using it. I'm still doing it. Yeah, that's that's really a good thing to hear. Yeah, uh, I run out of questions now. <laughs> so from my point of view, um, it would be time to close. But if you want to go on, uh, pleasure. Yeah, always the pleasure.
1: <laughs> I, I would say, you no. Know, I, I would say I think more than anything, I give a lot of things to do. And I try to restrain myself because that's my problem. But yeah, I just yeah. want to reiterate a few things on, on the notes that I talked about. Find one system. Again, I told you about experiments because I think it's maybe not like, you know, a content calendar, is something a bit different. So find one system one project that you think you can really break down. That would be my thing mm-hmm. if you wanna like the teacher in me comes mm-hmm. out and needs to give homework to poor listeners. I like why. Sorry, I apologize. No, I don't. Um but <laughs> no, it's you know good. Like, good. <laughs> find that project or that system that you wanna maybe work on based on what we talked about. And I would genuinely say track numbers and track your growth in a way that it's simple and maybe and again it can be a follow-up episode about tracking and stuff because that's a whole conversation in itself. But that will help yeah. you if anything, start feeling a bit more confident about, you know, we talked about how how do you measure whether things are working or not and what's successful. So start just tracking. Choose for your favorite channels and platform. Choose even just two things that you can track. Make sure it's not just followers, please. Two things that you can <laughs> track just to start out and just to kind of feel a bit more in control. You can't grow where you cannot track. It's as simple as that. So I would say these are the two things. Get more familiar with breaking down a project for yourself or a system that makes you feel more in control. Mm -hmm. And then start looking at where your efforts are going a bit more. These two things combined can really, really help you even just getting started with setting better systems, feeling more aligned. And obviously, again, then you can do the small things to build that direction, to look into those pains and gains and to build that relationship with your audience as well as a layer on top of
0: it excellent this is a fantastic summary so yeah our listeners have some homework now (laughs) no that's really good because uh, you you should have something if you listen for so long to such a podcast so i want my my listeners to be to be content with with what they hear right so yeah they have something to do now fantastic Fab, thanks for being here today. I enjoyed it. I, I love to chat with you. And uh, yeah, I wish you very much success for all Marketing School and everything you do.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can find me double T I. That's long. So Fab Giovanetti on any mm. social, if you have any follow-up questions or things I talked about that you want to get more clarity on, just shoot me a DM or a comment in there.
0: Cool. I have to put that into the, into the description of the po- podcast notes or of the YouTube videos. So everyone get your social handle <laughs> to contact you, you afterwards. Thank you, Fab, for being here. Bye-bye. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Reluctant Marketer podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Bowen Labs that spells B-O-H-L-E-N-L-A-B-S. Or you can send me an email to Matthias at If you want to support this podcast, please share it with a friend on your social media networks and leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other reluctant marketers find this podcast as well. Thank you very much for listening today and see you in the next episode. Bye bye.